everybody. It is Corey Poirier. Really excited to be back with the latest edition of the brand new uh, Let's Do Influencing show. Uh, as uh, If you've been listening over the last few weeks, you know that after five years, uh, we made a little switch in the show, uh, approaching and focusing a little more on the world of influencing. So I'm really excited to have a guest with me today who I know is... Uh, is a, is a big influencer and uh, and is making a big impact in the world. Uh, so Dory Clark, really excited to have you here today. And I think probably the best starting point, if it works for you, would be to get you to give us a little bit of a, an introduction or a backstory for our listeners who may be discovering you for the first time. Yeah, thank you so much, Corey. It's great to be speaking with you. So I teach part-time for the Fuqua School of Business at Duke. I uh, spend a lot of time writing business books. My latest is called Entrepreneurial You, and uh, I've also written Reinventing You and Stand Out. And my work really centers around the question of how, in an increasingly crowded and noisy, competitive corporate environment, individual talented professionals and entrepreneurs can get their voices heard and their message received. Um, it's very different being good at something and being recognized for being good at something. And so in my work, I try to demystify that process so that more talented people can get their ideas heard rather than just having the loudest voices win. So, and this is pretty probably deep and big to, to jump into this follow-up question, Dory, but when you mentioned about helping people get their voices heard, where do you think most people, based on what you've seen and the work you've done, helping people do that, where do you see that most people either struggle or run into the biggest challenge? Like, why do you think it's a, such a struggle for most people to get their voices heard in that such a way? Well, I think I think that people get hung up in a few different places, Corey. So the, the, the first one, which is... Uh, certainly still relatively common is the belief sometimes uh, instilled by our our parents or people that uh, that you know kind of guided us whether that's uh, college or grad school advisors or early bosses where there's this this ethos that if you just do the work if you're just good at what you do you'll get noticed and it is important and essential to be good at what you do but it's not enough it, it certainly wasn't bad advice 20 or 30 years ago because people oftentimes lived out their careers at the same job. You know, over time, if you're working elbow to elbow with somebody for, for years and decades, talent does rise to the top. People will get to know you. But we're living in a world now where people are changing jobs more frequently. They're working uh, in teams that span the country or, or the you know, the world. And so consequently, it becomes harder and harder for people to actually know your talents and really have a sense of who you are and what you can do. And so you need to put just a little bit more thought and strategy into it. I think another place where people fall down when it comes to getting their ideas known is that they, they don't share their ideas in the form of content. They don't share their ideas publicly. And what I mean by that is that at a really basic level, you know, if we're, if we're talking about white collar knowledge workers, which is probably the vast majority of the people who are listening to your podcast, if you are trafficking in the realm of ideas, the only way that people can actually have a sense of whether you are any good at what you do is to have you create content, you know, write about it, give a speech about it, do podcasts or videos or something like that. I mean, if somebody's a lawyer, how do I know if they're a good lawyer? 
I, you know, I kind of don't. If they're a project manager, how do I know if they're a good project manager? I mean, unless I've literally worked directly with them on a project, there is no way that I can tell. And so the only way in a very big globalized world you can telegraph your expertise to others is to start creating content and sharing it widely. When you do that, you begin to give other people a way that they can connect into you and really see for themselves that you have great ideas. That is the cornerstone of the recognized expert methodology that I've spent the past number of years developing. I love that. And I have to say, for whatever reason, it makes me think of that brilliant, amazing author that, uh, that never gets their work out there because they don't realize that writing a brilliant book and marketing a book are two different things. And yes. also getting your brilliant book out there uh, and, and having a brilliant book in you that never reaches the market are two different things. And I, there's a great quote I heard, and I can't remember who shared it, but it was uh, another author who said, as a speaker from the stage, he said, uh, my mediocre book is better than the brilliant book you'll never release. And it's a pretty cold statement to say, but it's that whole thing of, first of all, there's writing the book. And if you never get the book into the market, it doesn't matter how brilliant it is. Nobody's going to know. And then the second part, I think, is that uh, getting a brilliant book out there, but not knowing how to reach people with it, that's a separate thing again on its own. Absolutely. You, you have to put time and care into both facets. Otherwise, it's not going to be heard. It's going to get lost in the shuffle. So here's, I guess, what... You know, I'm thinking as a listener now, Dory, that one of these questions that might pop up for them is what if, let's say they love one and not the other. Let's say, um, let's say they love writing, not marketing. They love marketing, not writing. What are your thoughts? Because today it seems like we have to sort of uh, be juggling every aspect of the business. We have to be the content creator. We have to be uh, the person they're approaching when they want to ask about the content. We have to be the person sharing the content. What are your thoughts on collaborating with or bringing on somebody to do one of those things rather than people doing all and everything? Like, do you think it's important for us to learn how to do it all because of the fact that the world's changing so much? Or do you think there's still a need for some people to say, okay, I, I'm, this isn't me, so I'm going to hire somebody to do this? Well, I think it's important to understand the whole process. And part of why that's important is, frankly, to make sure you don't get taken advantage of because there are a lot of people that, that just are willfully ignorant about certain aspects of their business and it doesn't go well for them. You know, we all hear these stories about the person, oh, I'm just not a numbers person. So I just, I just hand it all over to my bookkeeper. And then meanwhile, we find out five years later, their bookkeeper has embezzled all their money. <laughs> you know, you, you need to, to know enough to be able to keep your eye on the ball. And so that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, if you are a writer, let's say, that you need to turn yourself into the world's best marketer. But you do need to understand what marketing entails. You need to become savvy about the overall pieces of it so that people don't take advantage of you. And uh, I, I think that another thing to keep in mind as well is that as with all things, you, you can make traps, you can make choices, right? And so if you are willing to pay for help, you can get almost anything done. Um, but we have differing abilities to, uh, you know, desire to pay and abilities to pay. So for instance, if you think that you have a good brand and could market a book well, but you don't really like writing, I mean, for sure, there's a million ghostwriters that for anywhere, from, let's say, 10,000 at the low end uh, to 50,000 at the high end would be willing to ghostwrite a good book for you. And so you, you can certainly make that happen. Um, or you can 
train yourself to do it. Um, I, I think that the essence of entrepreneurship in a lot of ways is learning how to be crappy and how to teach yourself things. So how to make strategic alliances where you need to. And, uh, and so whether that's investing with your time or your money, it's going to cost you in one way or another, um, but you can get it done. Yeah. And I, and I guess, like you said, you have to decide which area you want to invest in because it, it doesn't happen on its own. It doesn't organically just For sure. make itself happen. And so I guess then, you know, if we, if we dive a little further into the idea of, let's say, reinventing oneself or even on the, on the branding side, um, can you talk to, and I, and I know, obviously, I know with a short amount of time, we don't have enough time, Dory, to go all the way in deep to this, but even a strategy or two, can you talk to what you tell people in terms of the starting point, let's say um, they're wanting to reinvent themselves or they're wanting to at least start the process of, of getting themselves known or getting themselves out there. Are there some key steps that you tell people you need to get this in order first or this is the first thing you should do? Are, are there a couple things that people could at least work on? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're beginning the process of reinventing yourself, there's, there's a few initial things that you can do. Um, the first is at a very basic level to read up as extensively as possible in your new field. And part of the reason for that is that if you are able to speak articulately about the world that you're moving into, you will be able much more rapidly to convince people in that world you're serious and credible. And also, frankly, to show the people in your current existing world that you're serious about about doing it. A lot of times people, uh, if you're making a big transition, they might tend to assume, oh, it's just a passing fad. You know, he doesn't really want to do that. And in three months and coming back and, and, you know, going back to his old thing. And so if, if you can really demonstrate through a breadth and depth of knowledge about this new area, that it is a sustained passion rather than just a uh, passing fancy, that makes it a lot easier for you to get others on board, uh, helping and supporting you in that transition. Uh, another thing that's very useful and easy to do up front is to make sure that all your touch points are congruent with your new identity. And what I mean by that is that think about all the ways that people come across you or form an opinion of you. Uh, so for instance, there's your website, there might be a LinkedIn profile, social media accounts, etc. Odds are, if you've set them up over the years, they probably reflect who you used to be. Uh, maybe certainly in terms of your title or employer, uh, but maybe just in terms of your areas of emphasis that you're talking about or the pictures that you use to present yourself. And so you want to do essentially an audit on yourself, a, uh, an, an online and offline audit to think about the ways people find out information about you and get to know you. And I would go over all of those touch points with a fine tooth comb to make sure that they have been updated to reflect the direction that you're heading toward rather than essentially serving as a tether to keep you in your past identity. So, you know, one of the things as well, and I always think, I always try to think from the perspective of that listener, uh, what question they might have or, you know, and probably it's because it's a question I have and I'm thinking it's probably a similar question, but in terms of reinvention, now, I know we've already started to dive into it, but can you tell us what it means to you when we talk about reinventing oneself and, and self-reinvention for those that might be wondering, is that, you know, reinventing myself at the core? Is that reinventing my brand? I, I'm just wondering if you can kind of shed some light onto what it actually means to you. 
Sure. There's a, a couple of facets to it, Corey. Um, for me personally, the way that I got interested in the concept of reinvention was that early on in my career, my very first job, in fact, I was a newspaper reporter. I ended up getting laid off very suddenly and uh, it was not at all expected. And so I had to really kind of scramble to find another job and I ended up uh, not being able to get another journalism job. So I essentially had to reinvent myself into a new career as a political campaign spokesperson. And that process of learning how to change my own identity, change how I thought about myself and how I presented myself to others, made me clued into the concept of reinvention. And so I began exploring it. But what I've come to discover is that fundamentally there's two different kinds of reinvention, uh, what I call capital R reinvention and lowercase r reinvention. And capital R reinvention is essentially the, the sort of big moments, the kinds of things that most people might conjure up when they think of a reinvention, something sudden or abrupt, like getting laid off uh, from a job or suddenly decide, you know what, I'm going to totally change my career and switch to something that I've never done before. Uh, it's kind of a disjunct and that can be exciting. It also can be a little upsetting or traumatizing if not done right uh, because it really is a big change. The other kind of reinvention is something that I would like to encourage people to think about embracing on an ongoing basis, uh, and that's what I call lowercase r reinvention. It's far more subtle. Uh, it's not so much a disjunct as it is just pushing your boundaries and enabling yourself to continually learn and grow so that when the time comes to reinvent yourself, it doesn't actually feel like a, a stressful engagement uh, because you've been working toward it all along. It can be something as simple as making a, a vow to yourself that you're going to uh, take one new online course per year just to keep your skills ready and sharp. Or maybe starting to network just a little bit outside your industry so that you're opening yourself up to new ideas. Those are the kind of things that can enable you to handle reinvention with grace. And so, Dory, this has been an absolute pleasure. I knew it would be. So my last question, as I mentioned, is the unofficial question, but not the, you know, not the least important by any stretch. People listening to any interview, I find that you still want to learn more about this person. You want to connect with them further. Uh, you know, the interviews never sort of encompass a whole life story or are all the insights somebody has. So if somebody's listening and saying they want to reach out more, they want to know how to get your books, they want to know how to connect with you online, where would you normally direct them? Yeah, absolutely, Corey. So folks who'd like to learn more, the best place is my website, which is doryclark.com. It's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. On the website, I actually have more than 500 free articles that I have written for places like Forbes and the Harvard Business Review and Entrepreneur. And I also have a resource that might be of interest. Um, we've been uh, talking a lot about, about building your brand and uh, how to get known uh, in your field, especially especially if you have been through a reinvention. Uh, and so if you want to get known in your new field, um, I have a, a free 42-page standout self-assessment that helps walk you through that. It's a series of 139 questions that actually help you gain a lot of clarity about how to hone your new brand. And anyone can get that for free at doryclark.com slash join, J-O-I-N. Let's go.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.